0: Blazers Nation. This is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers B-Writer with Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers. It is Wednesday, April 20th. We are in the thick of the first round of the playoffs, and it, let me tell you, it has been absolutely fantastic these last few days. I've got a game taping right now. There are two more I'm going to watch later. Very, very excited for that, but what's not exciting is that the Blazers, obviously, not in the playoffs. And in fact, they got some bad news last week. They will not be getting New Orleans Pelicans first round pick. We're going to dive into that during this week's discussion with our favorite guest, Justice Rogers, and also other things the Blazers can do this offseason to improve their chances of improving in 2022-23. And then some general playoff talk, because let's be honest, there's other basketball to talk about right now that doesn't have to do with the trailblazers. And that is what's most exciting to NBA fans. So we're going to take a quick break and then without further ado, we will bring in justice Rogers. You are listening to talking trailblazers. We'll be right back. All right. We are back with talking trailblazers and on the line, we have our favorite friend of the show, justice Rogers, justice. How we doing? I'm doing great, Jack. I'm doing
1: great. It's always good to be here with you, my friend. Of course. And uh, you know, let's have some fun as we always do. Of course.
0: We sure do. We sure do. I know just before we started recording, we were talking about the playoffs, chopping it up a little bit. When just what a pleasure it's been to watch this high-quality basketball on a nightly basis, especially after what happened to the Blazers during the regular season. Oh, man. Right? Uh, but we're definitely going to talk playoffs. We're going to talk the postseason. But before we get to it, we've obviously got to talk... Some trailblazers, Justice. You see what I did there? I see what you – I like that. That was, yeah, clever, very clever. No, I'm just getting more experienced and just getting more comfortable. And all of a sudden, puns start coming
1: out. (laughs) Got to love the natural puns. (laughs)
0: Okay, let's get right into it, Justice. Let's do it. So, obviously, the biggest news for the Blazers that happened in the last week is they did not end up getting the Pelicans' first-round pick because New Orleans made the playoffs out of the play-in tournament perhaps in large part due to the fact that Paul George tested positive for COVID the morning of the final play in game that decided who would make the playoff. So very, very tough break for the, for the trailblazers there. They are not getting that Pelicans first round pick, um, which would have been conveyed to them due to the CJ McCollum trade. Instead, the blazers are now likely to get the Milwaukee Bucks 2025 first rounder protected for picks one through four as a a result of that McCollum trade, which means they just have the one pick in the lottery this year instead of the two that we were all really, really crossing our fingers for. And I suppose I've just kind of answered the question I'm about to ask, but Justice, how big a deal is the Blazers not getting this additional first round pick?
1: You know, what's funny is I think it might not be as big of a deal as a lot of people thought it would be or thought it will be. One thing that I know definitely caught me by surprise, is, like I said, Paul George, you know, catching COVID the night before. Not saying well, it's fishy, but it definitely was funny. Um, I think he's all right now, but I saw you, it happen in real the,
0: time. You think the league is uh, You think the league's going for the Pelicans? The league is, is pulling for New Orleans? That <laughs> no, no, case. no. De- de- <laughs>
1: def- definitely not. No, it doesn't look fishy at all. It was just weird timing. For and sure. like I said, I saw, I saw it happen in real time. I was on Twitter. Everybody was talking playoffs. And I just see my timeline saying, what? Paul George out? Paul George sick? Paul George
0: COVID? And I'm like, wow. OK, that's going to affect some things. Yeah. Uh, little technical difficulty there, but no problem. We're going to get right back into it. Justice, I'll ask you again, how big a deal is the Blazers not getting the Pelicans first round pick?
1: I know everybody thought all hope was lost when the Pelicans are seemingly making a playoff run. Uh, But all hope is not lost, and that's, that's my opinion. That's my stance on it. Here's the thing. It's time for Dame to start recruiting. He has got to be that guy who is out there, whether it's through social media, his connects to other players in the league. He's got to reach out to other players who he can see himself playing with and find out, do they want to come and play in Portland? There's so many free agents this summer. I feel like the Blazers do have options. We don't know what's going to happen with Nurk, obviously. Um, But I think Dame, he's got to reach out. He's got to see who wants to play with him um, in the motor center.
0: Now, I know that's what Joe Cronin was talking about uh, during exit interviews. I believe it was last Monday. So are you really of the belief that Dame is actually going to be making that type of impact as a recruiter? I mean, I think Dame can make that type of impact.
1: Dame is the number one player. He's the superstar you know, he's kind of the vet on the team now. And I feel like he could kind of take the role like a LeBron would take, or, uh, you know, even players in the past who you see them, they have these connections with other players in the league and they try to draw guys to their squad because they know they need to improve or get better. Um, yeah. so I don't, I don't know personally, you know, how much room or how much leeway they're giving Dame or if he has any at all. But if he doesn't, I think he needs to take a stance because really they have to build the team around him and how many years he has left in Portland.
0: Yeah, we touched on this a little bit uh, last episode, how Cronin was talking about it at, at, at Extern interviews, how not only that he was going to ask Dame to recruit and how Dame was very willing and excited to recruit uh, players this summer, but how also they were expecting Chauncey Billups to really factor in there. And to be quite frank with you, I'm skeptical just in general that, uh, you know, as, as well-respected as, well as those guys are, and they really, really are well-respected, uh, Dame especially among active players, you're not going to hear you know a single other player in the NBA say say a crossword word about Damian Lillard. But that does not mean that he's going to be able to recruit players to Portland, especially considering because the Blazers just don't have many assets. We're going to be really really limited in terms of free agency. Which we're gonna talk about later probably the Blazers are just gonna be limited to the mid-level exception in free agency and then the biannual exception. Maybe they can do something with those trade exceptions, but even then that's just one that's just one or two avenues of team building without that that extra first round pick. And this is something we've also discussed in the show before Justice, is that the Blazers are gonna to have to choose between having a cost-controlled young player, an elite young player, a guy they're you know, probably gonna draft sixth, seventh, hopefully top four, ideally. Let's hope the let's hope the lottery balls bounce to bounce. The Blazers' way. Um, and so they're going to have to choose between that and the, or trading for an impact player with that pick. They will not be able to split that baby, I think, as I called it earlier. I honestly don't even know where I get that expression, by the way. <laughs>
1: you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but what's funny is that's actually a biblical reference. So, oh, yeah. Uh, Shout out to your Sunday uh, Sunday school days, I guess, or Bible studies you've been doing. <laughs> those,
0: see, those, those, those Sunday school days were a long, long time ago, but they actually, uh, they actually did exist. But anyway, so the, so the Blazers are uh, not going to be able to split that baby. No, um, no. And so it, it, it probably means, let's be honest, they're going to sacrifice a top six or seven pick in this draft for, again, an impact player who best case scenario who are we thinking that player is going to be in terms of in terms of caliber? It doesn't even have to be a specific player. Obviously, there are, there have been lots of reports about Jeremy Grant, um, you know, dating back to even before the trade deadline, but then even after the trade trade deadline in the last month, Dame is supposedly a fan of Grant's as well. They played together on Team USA last summer, um, but man, I would I would be very hesitant to give up a top six seven pick for Jeremy Grant, especially because again, as we've discussed, he's he's going to ask for a four year one hundred twelve million dollar extension this summer, so. You said it's, I think I yeah, I framed it, how big a deal is the Blazers not getting that Pelicans first round pick? I just have in my notes, all caps, huge deal. Huge <laughs> okay. deal. Gotcha. And, and in fact, below there, I said, it completely Mars the summer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling that dramatic, apparently. Well, listen, you're not alone.
1: Like I said, I saw it happen in real time. I saw my Twitter going crazy. I saw people making posts and just commenting about you know, wow, it's over, you know, what are we going to do now? It's like everything was up in the air. So I I definitely understand the sentiment. And even going back to what you said, I don't know how successful Dame will be in recruiting players to Portland, but I do believe it's definitely on him. That's just how I feel about it personally.
0: What's on him just recruiting players to Portland in general or the fact that Dame is still around and he's recommitted to Portland. So now they're in this position of having to trade that pick.
1: Well, yeah, he's still around. He's the number one option on the team. He's the vet. He's the go to player. It's really his team. It's really his city. So in my mind, it wouldn't hurt for him to reach out to players that would possibly be a good fit and that Portland can afford because obviously we know they're in between a rock and a hard place uh, right now.
0: Mm-hmm. now if it's not going to be um, if it's not going to be Jeremy Grant just some, just some other players you could perhaps trade that pick for and again this is all theoretical and the, these, these hypotheticals honestly aren't the type of thing I'm very comfortable talking about which is why I'm trying to get better at it but just some players who they could perhaps target with that pick, Miles Turner, Rudy Gobert, we talked about them last week mm-hmm. I've got Pascal Siakam listed I think that's actually an interesting one depending on where Toronto wants to go whether or not they want to get younger around Scotty Barnes, uh, Precious Atua, those type of guys, or kind of stay with this kind of, uh, you know, this prime, this core of guys built around guys in their prime, like Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi with Scotty Barnes coming up. Perhaps sure. Pascal Siakam would come available, and I think he'd be a pretty good fit in Portland. I actually like him more than uh, than Jeremy Grant as well, for sure. And then, nice. a, and then another guy in my list who I'm not very enthused about, but... There have been rumors, let's be honest, and he's a big name. It's Julius Randall. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Julius Randall. I honestly wouldn't have wanted to think about it, but who knows what's going on with the Knicks. It seems like Tom Thibodeau maybe is finally comfortable with the youth movement. And, um, you know, let's be honest, it turns out that Julius Randall's really, really awesome jump shooting from both the mid-range and and three-point range um, was kind of a... Last season in 2020-21 is kind of a product of no one being in the arena. He's just not that type of shooter, it turns out, during a uh, non-COVID year, if you will, with fans in the stands all that. So I'm not very high on Julius Randle, and I I even have in my notes here that the Blazers would need major sweeteners if they were going to trade for Julius Randle on that contract that he signed last summer. Um, which I believe, I don't have it in front of me here, but I believe it was an extension. So I don't even think that kicks in until next season. So they would obviously be taking on a lot of salary there. Um, not only giving up that you know really, really highly valuable pick, but also taking on a, a player who's kind of a distressed asset. So again, I got Turner, Gobert, Siakam, Julius Randall, obviously Jeremy Grant. Do you have anyone else just off the top of your head who you think they might target with that pick?
1: Oh man, I really hope you don't hate me for saying this, but Ooh. Uh, it's almost like a light bulb went off in my head when you said Julius Randall just now. And listen, I'm not saying that I'm all in, on, you know, on, on Julius, but it's just something I had to consider. That's all. So when you brought it up, it's kind of like, huh, Julius yeah. Randall? How would his game? And I get the you know contractual issues and all that, but yeah, it's just something. It's something for me to think about. I know you're clearly all the way against it, but it's just yeah, just something to think about.
0: Well, I'm against it, but I also think the Blazers are now in this place where they're obligated to make that type of move because like we like we keep talking about Dame has recommitted to Portland. They cannot so they cannot be in the position of, you know, as much as I'd like for them to just draft it, draft a player with the 6th or 7th pick or again that top 4 pick we're all hoping they get um, rather than rather than make more of a short-term win now move. That's just it just doesn't seem realistic with Damian Lillard turning 32 this summer and missing all of last season. Like this is probably going to be hopefully the, probably the best season of his career that he has left right in, in, in 2022, Ooh. 23. So they really, really need to maximize this. Um, so I just, I just think they're almost obligated to, to trade it. And Cronin even kind of alluded to that, uh, during his exit interview. So it really puts the blazers between a rock and a hard place. I think with not getting that Pelicans
1: spit. One thing I will say. I really not only appreciate, but I'm glad how vocal uh, Cronin is being. I feel like you need that from a front office, especially a front office that's had so many trials and tribulations that that Portland has had. So yep. it's almost like a breath of fresh air. You know, it's it's refreshing to totally. see. You know them seem, them being so vocal. Um, it looks like communication is. Being pretty clear between Cronin and the players and the staff and everything, so that's a good sign. Uh, I, I think that's going to vote well for uh, for Portland going into this summer and uh, the
0: fall for next season. I totally agree with you. And one of the things that Cronin has been very vocal about, as I like, kind of segue here, is that Portland is absolutely absolutely intent on re-signing both Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic this season, which means the Blazers will not have. Meaningful cap space this summer, they are very likely to operate as an over the cap team, which means they won't be signing players outright with cap space. They will be using exceptions to the salary cap to do it, which means, and I referenced this earlier, they'll be they'll be using the ten and a half million dollar mid level exception and then perhaps the four point one million dollar biannual exception in free agency to target players. Justice, you have any any potential targets for the Blazers with those with those contracts, given those salaries?
1: Ah, you know, first off, I do want to say that's smart. That was expected. I I definitely believed that Nurk was going to be back. Definitely, definitely believed that Ant was going to be back. And even just seeing the, you know, social media rumblings and interactions, um, even before this became official. It was like, yeah, Nurk looks like he wants to be back. Dame wants him back. So uh, that sounded like a lock there. Man, I... It sucks. Yeah. Really they are in a they really are. I know I said it earlier, they're literally between a rock and a hard place right now. Like I this is another one of those just I don't know if it's a hump. I don't know if it's a, a valley. I don't know what it is, but it's almost like the Blazers have so much potential, but they have all these other things that could possibly hold them back as they're trying to improve going into next season.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They and they and again, this kind of comes back to them not getting the pick, right? Right. Um, right. Whereas before, they could potentially add two impact players, um, you know, via that additional pick, as well as. Um... Hey, justice, can you actually like, hold on a second? I'm having a problem with like these many animals I have in my house. Just hang on, hang on. Oh
1: yeah, I'm here. I'm here.
0: I gotta, I gotta lock a couple of them up here.
1: Hang on. No problem. I am still here. Thanks. Well, folks, as Jack takes care of the uh, zoo he has over there, make sure you send him a tweet. Tell him to uh, order me a pizza tonight. I've got a taste for pizza. I think that'd be a great meal, a great dinner. So go ahead and... What did I
0: walk into here, Jack? Whoa, whoa, hey, hey,
1: Jack, how's it going? Everything all right? Everything good? (laughs) (laughs) You know, just sharing a little love with our listeners out there in Rip City and all around the world. And, uh, you know, don't nothing, nothing to worry about. <laughs>
0: you, you, are a, you are a true pro. Okay.
1: Listen, man, I'm just having a good time. That's all.
0: All right. So I may or may not cut this. We'll have to see. But, <laughs> but we were talking about which players the Blazers could potentially target in free agency this summer, a yep. mid-level exception with the biannual. I've got a few ideas, and unfortunately, I don't think they're going to excite Blazers fans and justice. I don't even know if they'll excite you. Oh boy, yeah. Let me hear him. And, and to be clear, it's not because these guys aren't good players. It's just because they are, you know, the fifth guy at best. <laughs> okay, the all right. Guy. And the Blazers need, you know, the second guy, the third guy, the fourth guy. Definitely, <laughs> anyway, exactly. The first, the first one that I've, the first one that I've written down here is Kyle Anderson, forward from Memphis. He's a free agent this summer. He's 6'8", 7'3", wingspan. Nickname slow-mo, it's probably what he's most famous for. Yep. Um, and you wouldn't think, because of that nickname, that he's a good defender, but he's actually a really, really versatile defender. He can guard multiple positions. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest adjustments in the playoffs that were made between games one and two was actually Kyle Anderson starting the second half for Steven Adams for the Grizzlies and then guarding Carl Anthony Towns, and that really, really changed that game for them. So that just kind of speaks to Kyle Anderson's versatility. He's also a really, really smart passer. He's got a nice floater game. He can kind of abuse smaller guards on switches if he's got a he's got a point guard or a smaller guard on him. Um, the one problem with Kyle Anderson, and it's a big one, is a very, very poor shooter. <laughs> with, he's got a ridiculous hitch at the top of his release, um, which actually seems to have kind of reappeared in his game. His, his release is somewhat slower this season than it was last season. So that really, really limits him, not just in terms of his percentage, but also the volume of threes that he can get up. So... I, I like Kyle Anderson. Again, people might think that $10 million for a guy guy like Kyle Anderson is an overpay. I expect him to get that type of contract this summer. And again, I think he'd be a good fit for the Blazers. He's just not a sexy fit for the Blazers, if that makes sense.
1: No, no, that definitely makes sense. I'm very familiar with SloMo's game. I remember when he was in San Antonio, and I agree yeah. with you. He's got a nice little floater game, uh, can kind of finesse his way through the paint there. Not super athletic. You know, He's not no. jumping through the roof or anything like that, which... That's
0: uh, really not through the roof. I'm not sure he's jumping over the phone book as
1: this Right, one. right, exactly. Me and him might have the same vertical at this <laughs> point. Uh, so, you know, I, what's what's crazy is I, I wouldn't even be opposed to them uh, bringing in Kyle, but the way Memphis is looking right now in the playoffs, uh, in the Western Conference, I don't see him leaving there. Right. Uh, I, I see them trying to figure out a way to hold on to him, Um and I think that's really the main dilemma. I mean, now if he really just wants to go out and get a huge money bag somewhere, he might be able to do that the way he's playing in the playoffs right now. But I don't see it happening. But I wouldn't mind having him. Uh, I think he might mesh well with, with with the Blazers' young guys, and he's he's been in the league a couple of years now, so he's not a rookie. Uh, cool. And and his game, you know, it's it's
0: it's all right. It's it, it's average, I guess. I mean, that's that's my takeaway. Well, he's a good fit for what Chauncey Billups wants to do, I think, too. Uh, multiple playmakers, multiple passers, guys who make quick decisions, who can guard uh, in multiple ways. He's a good help defender. He can guard on ball. As I said, he's guarded Carl Anthony Towns. He can guard wings. He can even switch on to smalls. And, you know, he's not an all-defense level level guy by any means, but he certainly can be uh, part of an effective, disruptive defense. I think he's very regularly up in the uh, league leaders in, in terms of uh in terms of knocks in terms of deflections there we go couldn't think of a the word there so yeah i think kyle anderson would be a good fit in portland and but i think the, the big thing for him is what you just said does he really want to leave a situation like memphis um and, right and then you know money talks and they may not be comfortable paying him uh you know what the blazers or or another team with a mid-level exception could offer them just because the, the grizzlies are about to get really really expensive when jaron jackson jr's extension kicks in and then john Morants undoubted max contract kicks in but that's in a couple years so this is this is kind of a big summer for them but i don't but i don't know if they want to they want to tie up their financial resources on a guy like kyle anderson as helpful as he's been uh, in the playoffs thus far another guy that i that i have listed here is tj warren a wing from indiana and you may have forgotten about tj warren not you just of course, <laughs> right you, I'm not you you cover the but if you're just a uh, if you're just a blazers fan listening to this podcast you may have forgotten about tj warren because he's played just four games since the bubble but in the wow. bubble he absolutely blew up 31 points per game for tj warren during the restart before the playoffs and um, then he, he struggled a little bit in that first round series i think it was a sweep against the uh, eventual uh, eastern conference champion miami heat there in the bubble. Um, He he obviously wasn't averaging 31 points per game, but I think he got over 20 points per game on some pretty good efficiency. Then he also had that 50-point explosion in the bubble as well. So what I like about TJ Warren, he's a three-level scorer, really turned into a three-level scorer for most of his career. He had a... Great little floater game, good finisher, pretty good mid-range shooter. The question was whether or not was he, he was going to be a three-point shooter with volume. That finally, that finally happened in 2019-20. And then he also t- turned into a solid, committed defender on the wing under Nate McMillan. He's just not a guy who takes anything off the table on either end, really, if he's healthy. That's obviously the big question here. But I think he'd be a very, very good fit for Portland. And frankly, if he was healthy... He probably wouldn't be in a situation where he'd consider taking the middle level exception from the Blazers, which is why I think it would be so smart for Portland to go after him. You know
1: what? I agree, and I'm actually not opposed to that. TJ Warren, I've liked his game ever since he was in college at a NC State. Yep. And so seeing his game develop, and like you said, those big games he had uh, with Indiana, no, I think he would actually be a good fit. He's, I think, around 28, so he's still a young guy, you know, good height, 6'8. And he's also one of those guys that, in my opinion, you know, he could kind of create a bucket or, or create a basket when he needs to, if necessary. And I do think that's necessary to mesh well with Dame's game because we both know, Portland knows, the state of Oregon knows, the whole country knows uh, that Dame can create a shot. He can he can get a basket whenever he needs to. But I feel like the Blazers will also need another player that can do that, a la uh, CJ, who we lost, he could do that whenever he wanted to. So we need someone to fill those shoes, if that makes sense.
0: You've forgotten all about Anthony Simons, Justice. You're, <laughs> <laughs> You're just a hater. You're a- I'm not. I'm really not. I, you know I like it. I yes, really I do. Know, I know. I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking, listeners. Dear listeners. I'm joking. He's, Justice did not forget about Anthony Simons. I, I did not. I we just have.
1: We have different... Because we both agree... Ant is a great talent, you know, his potentials through the roof, high ceiling, all that. We just disagree on how the Blazers should play him. That's the only thing, I think.
0: You know, I don't even know if we disagree on how the Blazers should play, should deploy them, should, should deploy Ant next to Dame. It's about what they will do. And I just don't, and I just don't think based on the season that Ant just had, the fact that they're about to pay him over $20 million a year in free agency, um, I just think Ant's going to have way too much organizational equity to come off the bench. Um, on the, oh. un- unfortunately, as much, as much as I'd like the Blazers to finally go away from committing to, to, to I'm sorry, to committing to a starting lineup that includes two, two, or maybe even three, if Norman is still around, six three guards in the starting lineup. I would love for them to go away from that, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen to me, based on uh, again, Ant's just meteoric rise. Uh, during that two-month stretch that I love to talk about from January to mid-March. Um, and then of also, course. And then also the contract they're about to get. So.
1: And see, the folks at home, driving, wherever they're at, listening to us uh, in the world, they just heard, basically, that me and you are on the same page. Because I don't want to go back. I don't want to revert back to you know a few episodes back. But I'm with you. I believe that Portland will start Ant. Yeah. It's just i wouldn't start him so i'm with you on that i do believe chauncey's gonna start like you said when they give him the money they can't have him coming off the bench he, he's gonna be making too much to even you know to do that he's gonna have somebody tying his shoes or something so <laughs> yeah no, no no they they definitely will be starting and i just wouldn't personally start him i like his flow coming off the bench mm-hmm. and you know that's probably where we where we differ but we definitely both agree that chauncey and the Blazers, period. They're most likely going to start Ant, uh, going into next season.
0: And listen, we don't need to belabor this point too much because it's something we're going to talk about a lot all summer, and then you know next season, of course, mm-hmm. when they're inevitably starting. But I just think, and, and you agree, and I think it's it's been proven for years in Portland and then elsewhere. I just think there are diminishing returns to starting a pair of six three ball dominant guards who don't hang their hat on defense. And and I don't even mean that necessarily in terms of um, in terms of what it what it means for each player's production, though certainly C.J. McCollum taking his production to a new level in, in New Orleans, um, you know, speaks to speaks to that fact that he was perhaps a little limited playing next to Damian Lillard. But for me, it's more about what playing two six three guards again who aren't really quality defenders what that means for the team construct and how that limits you in terms of style and versatility and all that type of thing. But again, we don't want to belabor that too much because we're going to be talking about it a lot. One more free agent target, and this—he and he actually uh, factors into the discussion we were just having. The Blazers should absolutely consider going after Gary Harris this summer. Gary Harris was kind of in basketball purgatory a little bit with <laughs> <laughs> the Orlando Magic for the last season and a half. However, this last season, he used, he used to really, really burnish uh, his reputation, hitting into a crucial year for him as a free agent. He'd previously struggled uh, with his jumper. He was one of the his first two or three years in the league. He really quickly became one of the best 3 and D guards in the NBA, but then just kind of lost his shot. He turned into an average to below average shooter to the point where teams weren't even necessarily guarding him or treating him like a viable three-point shooter. However, that changed this last season. He shot 41.3% on catch-and-shoot threes, um, and, well, and well, again, that's not quite an elite number, that is back to early career norms. And certainly he'd, uh, he, now, he now accounts for defensive attention. And he also shot 45.9% from floater range this season. And again, that's on low volume, but it speaks to just a little bit extra that he can do with the ball, Gary Harris. He's not just a standstill shooter. And again, what would really matter for him and why he'd potentially be a good fit in Portland is because he's just such an ace defender. Um, he's, he's one of the best guard defenders in the NBA one-on-one not a great help defender just because of some size limitations but if the blazers don't want to start if they don't want to start ant next to dame or even if they do they would really benefit from being able to bring a guy off the bench like gary harris who not only has to be guarded at the three point line and can hit open shots but again makes it so Damian lillard doesn't have to defend point goods
1: here's what i'll say uh i've always been i shouldn't say a fan but i've always let's see how do i even want to word this nicely Okay, Gary Harris has has a good game to me. He's definitely mm-hmm. got game. Uh, when he was in Denver, I thought you know he was a great great player for Denver. There's only really one thing that is kind of like a holdup for me when it comes to either going after Gary or you know thinking that he might be a good fit is, and we've had this discussion. Uh, I mean, pretty much all year for the most part, every episode I want to say is he's only an inch taller than Dame and. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ant as well, if Ant is still yep. 6'3". I know he's still probably growing. Um, but, yeah, he's six. He's 6'4". Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not a knock on him, of course. He, you know, he's not going to put in, uh, um, you know, anything in his shoes to make him any taller. But it's, you know, I feel like we just need a little more variety height-wise in that starting lineup. Because I'm assuming, I mean, you'll clear this up for me. If we were to get Gary Harris, he has to be in the starting five, right?
0: I mean, again, ideally, I think he would absolutely start next to Dame in the backcourt and you bring Ant off the bench, but I, I don't think he'd start if they signed him. And I'm honestly not even sure that he's going to command the full $10.5 million uh, mid-level exception this season. Maybe he's a guy you can get for the biannual, which I believe I have in my notes here. Believe it was four point one. Yes, four point one million dollars just doesn't seem enough for Gary Harris at this point in his career. And you'd think that he that he's going to go for the bag, considering he's you know right in the thick of his prime and finally had another good season. So again, I'd I'd love for the Blazers to go after him. I'm just not sure what they'll offer him and what the market's going to be. And as much as I'd like for them to start him if he was here, I still think they'd start Ant. Which which again kind of speaks to what you were saying. If you're going to bring in, uh, if you're going to use this, you know this valuable free agency resource that you've had. I've been talking about how the Blazers don't have much flexibility. If you're mm-hmm. going to use that on a 6'4 guy, as good as it's good as a good Gary Harris is defensively, it's just not helping you all that much, you know, nope. because, because he's not a great help defender and the Blazers play that aggressive scheme. They really need some disruptive players on the back line and the nail. And Gary Harris is not that type of guy. He's a guy who heats up the ball more than anything. So ideally, you know, the Blazers would uh, be able to move Dame off opposing point guards or or opposing star primary ball handlers in the backcourt and just put a wing on put a wing on that guy, a guy who's six seven, six eight, so they can, so they can surround Dame and likely Anthony Simons with more size rather than a guy mm-hmm. like Gary Harris.
1: Agreed. And here's where this will probably be, unless we see anything change here, which I don't think we will until. Uh, the front office actually does something. The Blazers, to me, the point that they're at is they really just need to get the most bang for their buck this mm. summer or before next season. Now, of course, that's probably obvious uh, you know, to any NBA fan or, or sports fan out there when it comes to trying to recruit and uh, snatch up new talent, but they really have to focus on that because, like you said, they're in kind of this bind right now and there's really only so many guys that you know, maybe either willing to take that or that you could find that are going to be quality and will fit exactly what Portland needs right now. I mean,
0: right. You agree? Well, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And unfortunately, what Portland needs is what almost every team in the NBA needs. And that's as many wings as possible, as many wings you can play on both ends as possible. Every every team in the league wants those guys. They're going to get overpaid, and we're and we're already seeing in the playoffs those guys have been able to you know take their teams to a new level with when coaches shorten the rotation or you know really home in on game plans. Those guys are the ones who swing playoff series and swing strategies more than anyone else. And sure. um, you know for the for the Blazers, there's just there's going to be a pretty a pretty shallow pool of players who they are able to target and who they could realistically get uh, who fit that bill this summer. So I don't know Justice going over uh going over those three guys who I think are all quality players uh, TJ yes. Warren, Kyle Anderson, Gary Harris. I think they're all, you know, top 8, top 9 players on a playoff team. Still the Blazers just need more and that's uh and that's that's kind of the problem here,
1: right? Very true. And if I had to choose out of those three, I would I would go with uh
0: TJ Warren for sure. I, I, he certainly gives you the highest ceiling, um, yes, absolutely. But on the other hand, he, you know, he probably has the lowest floor too, just because you have no <laughs> idea what's going on with that foot. I believe the reports were that he was uh, he was healthy and even playing five on five with Indiana um, okay. toward the end of the regular season. Um, but but still, um, you know, that's a that's certainly a risk to take for a guy who hasn't played in basically in basically two years. Even if he was fully healthy, that's just a long, long time, a long, long time away from real NBA basketball.
1: Very true.
0: Very true. So, Justice, let's uh, move into our next question here, and it actually factors into the last thing we were talking about, and it's also pretty bleak, I'm going to be honest with you again, Justice. It's which, <laughs> if any, current Western Conference playoff team could the Blazers be better than next season?
1: Well... These are hopes, of course, because uh, you and I, we are not fortune tellers and I don't want to be actually I'm comfortable Mm -hmm. where I'm at now. Uh, I would hope that the Blazers will be better than the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, they've been in a rut a lot longer than Portland has. So uh, I would definitely hope that the Blazers can be better than Sacramento.
0: What's the deal? You're not a believer in the Fox and the Ox?
1: Uh no, no. I
0: well, I'll say this, I got to
1: see more. Uh I've always I've always enjoyed uh Aaron Fox's game, uh but I have to see more out of that kind of combination. Yeah. Uh, and of course, th- this is just my point of view. I'm judging, you know, what we hope the future will be based off of the Blazers getting somebody good this summer. Yeah, so, for sure. That, that's for sure. how I'm taking a look at it. So, got to be better than Sacramento Kings. That's just you know that's the bar that got to be better than Sacramento. I agree. Uh, I would say hopefully be better than Oklahoma City as well. You know the Thunder have a very oh, young. They have oh, very. They have. A, <laughs> you weren't oh. expecting that, were you? You weren't expecting I wasn't, that.
0: I wasn't. I was, I was expecting you to you to pump a little sunshine into this into this question here. instead Well, it's
1: not well what I'm saying these are my hopes. These are my. Okay. You know, I would like to see this. Uh, I'd like to see them be better than OKC. They got a young team over there, not a whole lot of vets, Mm -hmm. a lot of talent, but... You know, they're still kind of working on things, getting things together. Right. Um, I mean, of course, in the standings at the end of the regular season, we were just one spot above OKC. Uh, but I'd like to be a few spots above <laughs> OKC. Yeah, uh, was,
0: you know, as we've discussed, there was some context to, to the Blazers 27-55 finish there. Just, uh, you know, some maybe just a little bit of tanking. A little
1: bit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit. Cool. And then, you know, this hurts to say, and I think you might even know where I'm going with this. You know, folks out there, of course, you know, it's it, there's no, uh, no lie, no deception here. In all honesty, you know, I am a Portland transplant, born and raised in Southern California. Lakers fan to the day they, you know, put me in the ocean or wherever they put me when mm-hmm. I'm no longer conscious. Uh, I would love to see the Blazers actually be better than the Lakers next year. Now, now, the reason I'm saying this is only because we saw... Just how much we just saw how bad the combinations were this year for the Lakers. We saw Russ, AD, LeBron. They didn't play well together. Injuries, all that. We have no idea what's going to happen with Russ for the Lakers uh, this off season either. Uh, so I would love to see the Blazers be better than the Lakers next year. That would be a huge improvement to me. I mean, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I, I think, right?
0: No, I think that absolutely makes sense. Um, I think I, I definitely expect the Blazers to be better then the Kings, then the Thunder, then the Rockets, um, and you know, those teams aren't playoff teams, obviously. And and but though I, so I think we can safely say they're going to be better than those teams, right? Because the Blazers are at least going to be really, really trying hard to win next season. For sure. And those teams, I agree. Uh, you know, Sacramento is in a perpetual state of. Let's just say disarray. You know? Yeah, defeats. <laughs> <be. laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then you know the Thunder and the Rockets are still kind of in a much different stage than the Blazers. They're they're still building up. They don't have it, they don't have a Damian Lillard, uh, a sure. Yorkish, those types of guys. So they're a couple of years away. Yes. Um, so but I think we can also say for sure that the Blazers are not gonna be better than Phoenix, they're not gonna be better than Memphis, Golden nope. State. Nope. Stop me. Oh, I'm just gonna keep listening teams. Stop yeah. me if you just Keep going. <laughs> State. Yeah, exactly. Golden State. Denver and Dallas. I have those as guarantees. They are not going to be better than. And then you can also say if if the Los Angeles Clippers are healthy, they may be the title favorite going into next season. Uh, so you know if, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are healthy, there is no way the Blazers are going to be better than the Clippers. Uh, especially you know as we've as we've been talking about the the Clippers just are overflowing with wings. They're one of you know one or two or three teams in the league who actually has enough wings to be able to play. Uh, You know, as many styles as as you as you want to play with those types of guys. Um, True. The Blazers do not have those guys. They don't have anyone who can guard Kawhi Leonard at this point. They and if you do have, if they do get someone who can guard Kawhi Leonard, who's guarding Paul George, uh, you know, just the, the questions go on and on. So they're not going to be better than the Clippers. And then I have I have them as very likely not better than Minnesota and New Orleans. Does that sound right to you?
1: Uh, I would say for sure, this is just me. I've been watching the playoffs. I know you have as well. Yeah. I say for sure, not better than Minnesota, just because, Ooh. uh, I don't know. The, those guys, they, I know they lost. Uh, I believe it was last night, yeah. but they just, I don't know. I think they finally got it together over there and just that weird mix of Patrick Beverly, Kat, Dilo. I don't know. Anthony Edwards, they just, To me, they have a very not only a high ceiling, a lot of potential, but they've got something brewing over there. And even if their uh, playoff run isn't as long as I think it will be uh, this season going up against Memphis, I think they'll be consistently there, at least for the next couple of years
0: totally agree totally agree and like like anthony edwards doesn't necessarily have to get much better for that to be true either right no the team just as a whole
1: has to get better really
0: But but i think anthony edwards is on a very very steep upward trajectory he is rising fast he seems to have really put together his physical tools the game is slowing down for him a little bit he's learning that he can get to the rim almost at will jumpers improved and then defensively uh, especially as a one-on-one defender he still gets a little lost in terms of help on the back line the nail stuff Mm -hmm. like that but as a one-on-one defender he even posed posed some problems for john morant in game one so yeah
1: i mean he had 36 in game one if i'm not mistaken
0: no no you're exactly right he he caused some problems for jaw got to the rim whenever he wanted then also hit six or seven jumpers you know outside 18 feet so right um, and if he stays healthy he's only going to get better absolutely absolutely so we totally agree on minnesota and then i actually don't think new orleans is in that different a boat uh from minnesota i absolutely love willie green i think he's one of the best young coaches in the league yes um, And like, same. I, I really really like what david griffin has done mostly just through the draft this last year with guys like herb jones trey murphy even jose alvarado a nice yes un- undrafted pickup he closed sneaky that- yeah absolutely <laughs> he Closed that game last night for them next to cj in the backcourt Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I just really, really like what they've got brewing in New Orleans. And that's almost irrespective of what's going on with Zion. Um, and it seems like Zion's going to be ready to play next season. So I do oh. not think the Blazers are going to be better than New Orleans. And so now let's count them. That is Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Denver, Dallas. That's five. Minnesota, New Orleans. That's seven. There are, how many playoff teams are there in the Western Conference? Well, listen, listen, there's, there's
1: one there's one team that we haven't mentioned yet yeah. that I actually, I'm not going to put any money on it or guarantee, but I really have a strong feeling that the Blazers, as long as everything goes as it should this summer, I do believe they can be better than uh, the San Antonio Spurs next season.
0: See, yes, I, I I think that's absolutely a possibility. I think the Spurs, you know, DeJounte Murray, first-time All-Star this year, I you know he was deserving of that. Um, he had a great, great year. I think he was averaged something like twenty-one, nine, and eight. Led the league in steals. Even if he, even if defensively, fell off a little bit, and that happens. Uh, you know, as you take, a, as you, as you get the ball more in your hands, and you're a bigger focal point of the offense. But I just don't think they have the high end talent uh, to, you know, level up with the Blazers, assuming Portland adds an impact player or two this summer. So I think, ideally, of course, yes. Uh, Portland will be better than San Antonio, and I think there's even a chance they are better than the Utah Jazz um, next season because they, you know, I said the Kings are in disarray. It seems like it's completely unraveling in Utah right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and if they lose to the Warriors – in this this uh this first series of the playoffs for them that's going to make it even worse so Dallas
0: yeah. Dallas
1: Utah's got it. Utah's got I'm sorry it. I'm sorry Dallas yep Dallas Mavericks we're talking a bunch of teams
0: so yeah we are we are so, uh, so that's that's eight teams including the clippers not counting the jazz so mm-hmm. obviously obviously it's going to be pretty tough for the blazers next season and If, if justice is admitting, uh, that the, that Blazers could be better than the Lakers, that speaks to the dire straits. The Lakers are in right now. Um, I I know I'm sorry to bring it up again.
1: (laughs) no, No, I will
0: say this LeBron James and Anthony Davis are still, are still playing for the Lakers. Um, we're still going to play for the Lakers next season, and they should absolutely do everything they can to get off Russell Westbrook. It's going to be difficult, uh, you know, without sacrificing, you know, anything of value, of course. So that will be very, very interesting. But the Blazers may have to be better than the Lakers next season to make the playoffs. That's how loaded the West is. Yeah. They'll
1: definitely have to be better. We know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a few teams outside of the Lakers, like I said, Lakers, Spurs. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to. Get those wins up next season.
0: Okay, Justice, we're kind of running low on time here. Should we just change to general playoffs talk? You know, I actually – I was thinking the same thing
1: over here as you were speaking a minute ago, yeah. and I, I did – yeah, I did actually have a question that I think would be interesting. Please, ask Exciting. Yes, to, to get your answer on as we you know get close to wrapping up here, yeah, I I do want to hear your just for this you know this kind of you know first round of the playoffs here mainly just the Western Conference because that's where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your what are your predictions? So if we start off with you know Phoenix um, and uh, the Pelicans, who, who you got coming out of out of that series?
0: Man, it would have been easy if Devin Booker was healthy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That, that changed things. Yeah. 31 in the first half last night just looked unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like he looked on the verge of, you know, winning finals MVP. Unbelievable. He was, he looked that type of, uh, you know, that type of imminent, if you will, like he was just really got what, got whatever and wherever he wanted against some pretty quality defenders on the Pelicans. Um, So obviously if Devin Booker was healthy, I think that series probably would have been a sweep despite the fact that I've liked what I've seen from the ones, but without him, and they haven't ruled him out for the entire series. To be clear, I think they've just ruled him out for games three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's tough. I though you know the Suns dealt dealt with that all season. They had they had guys going in and out of the lineup all season. First it was DeAndre 8, and then then it was Devin Booker, then it was Chris Paul, and they just kept right on chugging along uh, with you know but. With, with guys like Cam Johnson coming into the lineup, uh, taking yeah. more usage, you know, you can ask Mikhail Bridges to do a little bit more. When Chris Paul mm-hmm. was out, um, DeAndre Ayton got his usage up a bit. They can they can post him up a little more, maybe stretch him out to three without Devin Booker involved him. Um, so, yeah. As, and again, as much as, I, as much as I like what I've seen from New Orleans, I just, you know, Phoenix is the best team, is the best team in basketball right now, right? Heard, yeah. Without, without Devin Booker, they are just still a well-oiled machine, and they've had guys stepping up all year. So I would say I'm absolutely predicting Phoenix. I certainly expect the Warriors to get by Denver, perhaps in a sweep. And then the, my, my favorite series, man, that the, my favorite first-round series is Memphis and Minnesota. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: That's the one right there. It I've is, been watching every
0: game. Oh, man. It is absolutely must-watch TV. I, I, when I've been watching those games, I just kind of try and unplug, I turn Twitter off, I show my phone yes. on silent. Yes. And man, I'm just watching, you know, I'm watching John Moran, I'm watching Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, guys like Patrick Beverly, Desmond Bain. They're all getting into it. It is so exciting. Um, and there was, especially because there were so many different adjustments from game one to game two. I think Memphis really, really figured something out. Um, they were actually helped by uh, some quick whistle at the beginning of the game. Uh, Stephen Adams picked up two fouls, and that kind of forced Taylor Jenkins' hands, hands mm-hmm. going small. Um, and guarding Carl Anthony Towns differently, switching across five positions. And, and also Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman and Kyle Henderson just give a lot more than Steven Adams does offensively, especially against an aggressive defense like Minnesota's. Um, so I think I'd pick Memphis in that series as well. And then I'm looking, I'm thinking Dallas. I'm thinking Dallas for sure, especially if Luka comes back in game three or even game four. Like we said earlier, Utah is just kind of unraveling and they're, Defense at the point of attack in Game Two, specifically Donovan Mitchell. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it, it was very ugly. Like it was, it was almost like he was, uh, you know, like he was, he was just hoping that his coaches or the or the, or the GM in uh, Justin Zanuck, I believe his name for Utah, would be looking at the tape and they'd be saying, "Oh, he doesn't care anymore. He's checked out." He, yeah. does, he does not want to defend. He wants to be elsewhere. He wants yep. this, he wants this team to unravel. I'm not saying that's what was going on, obviously, but he was not as committed defensively as he needed to be, clearly. Uh, so, no. yeah, I think, I think with Luka likely coming back, the Dallas move on there.
1: Definitely didn't look good, and I think we are actually agreed on all these. Yep, I got Ooh. Phoenix beating uh, Pelicans. I've got uh, Mavericks beating Utah Jazz, of course. Golden State is going to sweep. Denver, I think, because they are just on a roll right now. They almost right now to me seem as good or close to as good of a well oiled machine as Phoenix is Uh, not not all the way there, but they're looking pretty good. They're looking.
0: They look incredible
1: and specifically
0: that lineup that everyone's talking about that no one has a good name for. With Steph, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, Draymond looks all the way back from his injury. Yes, um, you know he's a he's he's suddenly the best defender in the world again. It's that time of year, right? He comes alive during the playoffs when he's there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so fun to see. And when they have those those three shooters on the floor with Wiggins and Draymond, it is just it's just unbelievable. Just yeah. kind of just constant movement. Everyone's a threat. Um, and of course, Steph Curry puts so much pressure on defenses off the ball. He's constantly moving when he when he doesn't have the ball, setting back screens, setting brush screens. And then when he's on it, he's always drawing two. Jordan Poole does some of those same things. Um, and it's, it's just unbelievable watching them out there together, especially with a, with a guy like Draymond Green who sees the game so quickly. Um, he's just constantly processing everything so fast, a step or two ahead of everyone else. They look really, really good. It would not surprise me at all. Um, if they got in the conference finals with the Suns, and if the Suns are healthy, if they beat the Suns, it wouldn't
1: surprise me. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm almost, I'm almost upset at myself that I didn't expect for this to be the case or the scenario because going into it, especially with you know Steph kind of being, ah, eh, you know, we didn't really know with yeah. that, um, you know, nagging injury he's dealing with. I just thought Joker was gonna kill everybody. I just thought he was gonna in the paint. You know, I mean, I don't. I don't want to go as far to say the Warriors are undersized, but if you have Draymond, I
0: think you can. They're you know they're undersized. Okay, Kevon Looney's their you know their their tallest, longest player, and he's right. he's in, in the rotation because you know James Wiseman's a mothball.
1: Exactly, uh, not even
0: active actually. Right. Um, so yeah, I think Looney's just six nine or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good point. So yeah, no, I thought I thought Jokic was totally just going to torch uh, the Warriors in the paint, and that has not been the case. I, I was. I was very, very just blown away at the way Draymond was able to uh, just get under Jokic's skin. I mean, we know he can do that, but we're talking about the reign of MVP here. You know what I mean? So this is totally different. And now my perspective is flipped and switched. And I definitely believe the the Warriors are going to switch. I'm sorry, not switch. Uh, They're going to sweep Denver. They they don't have a chance at all, in my opinion.
0: You know? And I'm and I'm sorry to do this, Blazers fans who are listening, but watching the Denver team, it just reminds of what happened in the first round last year, right? And just what oh. a, just what a wasted opportunity that was for Portland. Yeah, um, with yeah, with both uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. really struggling, Jamal Murray not not around, and the Nuggets the Nuggets are thinner now; they have less offensive punch now, I mm-hmm. would say. But even so. You know, the, the Warriors are really making them pay for that. And Draymond is incredibly special. The best, you know, maybe the best defender of his generation. Um, one of my favorite players ever, personally, honestly. Sure, um, yeah. He's, you know, he's he's near peak defensively. And what he can do with guarding Jokic one-on-one, um, he can do it without help, but he can also do it with help. He's so dangerous as an, off, as an off-ball defender. Um, he's, he's just unbelievable. And then the system that they have there, everyone buys in. Right, like, like even that, like that three guard lineup that we keep talking about with Pool, uh, Steph, and Clay. There were many, many questions about whether or not that lineup would be able to defend, especially because mm-hmm. the other two guys, Wiggins and Draymond. Draymond obviously plays much bigger than he is, but Andrew Wiggins was not known for that. And all of a sudden, you are seeing Andrew Wiggins really, really buy in on the boards. He's playing more physically than I've never seen him play. And I went to Kansas City. Andrew Wiggins went to Kansas for a year. I've been very, very close to watching a long time. I've never. seen Intensity. They really seem to have figured it out, and but it's it, but it's just it's kind of easy to figure out against this Nuggets team, honestly. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. Jokic is an absolute genius and one of the best passers of all time. He'll be a deserving two-time MVP, I think. Um, oh, here in a few days, I think it's happening. I think it's happening.
1: Oh. Is that going to be our last <laughs> argument for this episode? <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> what? Who do you think should win the MVP then? Uh,
1: MVP? Oh, 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 absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think you can make a case for you can make a case for Jokic. You can make a case for Embiid. You can make a case for Giannis. For me, statistically, it's just absolutely overwhelming what happened uh, with Jokic this season. And then he was obviously a much better defender this year too. Not quite on Embiid's level as a defender. Um, mm-hmm. I think Embiid somehow got underrated this season because you can actually see him kind of you know, maybe take it easy on defense a little bit, or if he's not playing with a hundred percent intensity, um, you know, that makes people think that he's not having an impact. I think he's still having an impact, even when he's, you know, kind of uh, kind of getting it catching his breath on defense, if you will. And when he's locked in, he's as dominant as any any interior defender in the NBA to me. But for me, when it comes to Jokic, you already mentioned the stats. I think Jokic is better on offense than Embiid is on defense. And I think the or I'm sorry, I think Jokic is better on offense than Embiid is on offense. And then on the other end, I think Jokic narrowed that gap between them uh, this season, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree that uh, Jokic is more fluid on offense. Mm-hmm. To me, um, Embiid, you know, the offense kind of stops once he gets it I I mean he's playing opposite James Harden so I don't know that's probably that was probably expected but you know he's more of a you know face up he's going to take his time might back you down walk you down to the basket uh or you know get fouled and go to the free throw line where Jokic, you know he's such a great passer you can just run the offense through him on the elbow or something like that or even down on the block and he may not score but he could get the ball to someone who will you know get a bucket so yeah no I agree
0: just this one more question before we leave here. And it's, it's yes, something it. and I, I didn't ask you about it before we came on or, or anything like that. But just mm-hmm. is CJ McCollum's is his success surprised you at all? Or maybe not even his individual success, but just the fact that the Pelicans with CJ in the backcourt and with him being really an integral, an integral part of what they're doing on both ends. Does it surprise you that they're able to beat a team like Phoenix last night, even without, you know, even with Devin Booker playing, you know, just over half the game? wow you know that is an excellent
1: question and no it doesn't surprise me at all if anything i kind of feel how dane feels it's almost kind of sad it's almost kind of bittersweet like wow look at how much he can do when he is you know the main ball handler or the main guy on the offense he's their number one option right now Uh, of course you still got brandon ingram but you know cj's really that yeah. guy and, a, and of course he's the vet so yeah right exactly so mm-hmm. i feel kind of how dame feels we we saw through social media the other day dame you know, kind of feels like, wow, I, this, this kind of hurts to see him be so successful. Uh, But that's how it goes. I mean, you know, we've talked about this and we'll probably talk about it all summer going into next season is, you know, the way players mesh. Sometimes one guy's being held back and you Mm -hmm. don't realize it until he kind of has his own team. And I can only imagine if Zion is healthy at the beginning of next season, like you said the pelicans they might be a problem in the west they might be even better than they are this year
0: oh i think so. i think so for sure um but something i like that you said is you know and, and you were referencing what Dame was saying is that cj's really been able to show what he can do as a main ball handler but what he's also mm-hmm. Shown what he can do is when he's surrounded by four quality defenders, or maybe not even quality defenders. If you're not high on Jonas units on that end, in which you know makes sense. He's not scheme ball or anything like that. He's very, very slow footed, but he is huge. And so is and so is Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones. He you know he may be, he may get all defense, second team all defense this season as a rookie. And then they're playing Jackson Hayes at the four. He's seven feet tall with a seven two, seven three wingspan. Can switch on. Can switch on to pretty much anybody. That's a. That's the perfect defensive ecosystem for C.J. McCollum, yeah. right? Yeah. For, a, yeah. for, for a guy like C.J. McCollum, he's not playing next to Damian Lillard now. And I think what's interesting is that I – and I'm not actually sure on this, but but I think this is how it happened, is when they first got C.J., Willie Green started C.J. next to Devontae Graham um, in the starting lineup in the backcourt. Um, and Jackson Hayes, I believe, was still coming off the bench, and everyone else just slid down a position, Ingram, Ingram and Herb Jones. But then after – after a few games, Willie Green realized, "Oh, the best the best way for me to maximize maximize my talent out there is to surround CJ McCollum with as much length as possible." Yeah, that's yep. that's what's going on, and now the Pelicans are a good disruptive defensive team, and they still have CJ doing everything he was capable of doing in Portland, but without you know the knowledge that it's Dame's team. You know, this is this is CJ's team. This is Brandon Ingram's team, and so he's finally in an ecosystem that is best suited his talents on both sides of the ball. And, and really, we're really seeing him flourish. And you said it was bittersweet. It is it is a little bittersweet for me, too. Just yeah. Because I would have loved to see this happen to CJ uh, in Portland, which is, you know, he wasn't he wasn't shy. He was saying, you know, this is where he wanted to be. If it was all up to him, it he, he would have worked out here, even though he's happy to be in New Orleans. Um, but, man, it was just never going to with, uh, with the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum pairing to me.
1: Yeah, and... This is my last note here. Yeah. Okay. And, I, and you'll let me know if you agree. <laughs> if the Blazers had the same roster, including Dame, that the Pelicans have right now, I think it would work with Dame and
0: CJ. Ooh. So you mean they'd start Dame, CJ, Brandon Ingram, and probably Herb and Jonas Valencia and bring Hayes off the bench?
1: Yep, I'm saying yeah. The exact roster, literally, that the Pelicans have, and just insert Dame. Just insert Dame. Yeah, I think I think you would see the Blazers that we know they, they could be if they have the right players and the right infrastructure.
0: I mean, I you know again that I'm still skeptical of that of the two guard alignment. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely, but it would certainly work much better with guys like Herb Jones and Jackson Hayes next to those mm-hmm. guys. Uh, even a guy like Trey Murphy. A uh, guy yeah. like Najee Marshall, even a guy like Jose Alvarado, to be honest with you. He's yeah. what's Jose Alvarado? 6'1, maybe? But Not a an, big guy. No, but he's a great, committed, intense defender. Yes. Um, and that's just something the Blazers they just didn't really have during the Dame CJ era. Um mm-hmm. so I no, I certainly see what you're saying, surrounding those guys with length, and it's and this actually kind of takes us full circle as we're, as we're wrapping up here the blazers really need, can, can look to can look to that iteration that theoretical iteration of new orleans as you know, a a blueprint for what they need to do going into next season they need mm-hmm. to surround damon ant with as much length as possible uh, heading into next season just so they can so they can really level up defensively because if you're going to have damon or I was about to say Damon CJ. If you're going to have Damon and Ant <laughs> up there, you will hope the offense will be there, right? Like you were sure. count, you were counting on the offense being there, almost irrespective of who else is on the floor out there with them. It's the defense that's going to be a problem, which is why they need to surround them with as much length, as much disruption, and as many quality defenders as possible. I agree. I agree with every word there, Jack. Well, Justice, I love I love that we're ending on an agreement. Something else we can agree on is that you do great work, obviously. <laughs> <Jack. And> then, <laughs> and Justice, tell the people uh, where they can see that great work. So, can-
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And before I do that, folks out there, you need to know Jack does great work. So oh. let's not... <laughs> oh. That's that's obvious, but I, I got to say it as well. <laughs> um, uh, for those of you, yes, that are interested in uh, seeing my work um, and just even uh, getting a little... Inside look at, at my life. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm most active on there. I do have an Instagram as well. Uh, to find them, they're both at Justice Rogers TV. That's spelled J U S T U S R O G E R S TV. Once again, that's at Justice Rogers TV. That's Twitter and Instagram. Catch me on there. Let's talk sports, basketball. Uh, playoffs, culture, whatever, I'm having a good time with Jack and all of our uh, buddies in the NBA Twitter
0: community, uh, that's where you can find me. You can follow me at Armstrong Winter on Twitter and all my Blazers work at Clutch Points. Justice, we will be back next week to obviously talk some Trailblazers, but unfortunately, the Trailblazers are not in the playoffs, which means we'll be talking to other teams We we'll get a good time doing that this week. Absolutely. We'll be back. Alright, thanks, Justice. Thank you, Jack.